Yeah, if you didn't recognize that camper, that was Casey, our lead teaching pastor's camper. He's out doing the RV thing right now. So uh, we're looking forward to having him back next week. And uh, so please introduce yourself when you do. Uh, I am David. Uh, I'm one of the pastoral elders here. I used to be on full-time staff. Now I'm actually running a, uh, starting out a new non-Christian, non-Christian? No, that, no, that didn't come out right. I'm, I'm starting a Christian non-profit uh, here in the state of Kansas. If you want to learn more, ask me after the service. Um, we are thrilled to be uh, in this um, series on RVs, and it's not recreational vehicles, it's recreational vehicles. And I believe that God wants us to be vehicles of recreation for everyone around us, but also ourselves. In fact, I don't believe that we can be recreational vehicles to other people unless we have been recreated ourselves. So the series big idea that we've been working with is that Jesus recreates us so that we live to glorify God. You see, it's not about us. Genesis 1-1 doesn't start off, in the beginning I. No, it starts off, in the beginning, God. So it's really all about God, not about us. And so Jesus recreates us so that we live to glorify God. Um, today's message is on healing. Now, when you think about healing, you know, sometimes we don't recognize the fact that we probably, most of us probably do need healing. But I'd like to introduce to you my emoji. You will notice that my emoji is a very happy guy. Uh, I like to think of myself as being a happy guy. You know, that's an important thing. But, you know, there's various areas in our lives that if we look seriously in the mirror, we recognize that we perhaps need some healing. I, re I remember when we lived here before, there was an advertisement on TV that had this man who was about my age go, driving around on his uh, riding lawnmower in front of a beautiful home with green grass and children playing in the background. And he just looked as happy as could be. But then they showed his thoughts and he said, I am in debt to my eyeballs. I don't know what I'm going to do. He needed some financial healing. I know that many of us here, especially older we get, we have issues. I, I went to the orthopedic hand specialist. I didn't even know that there was such a thing. But I went, because I've been having wrist pain when I try to do push-ups. You know what he said? Don't do push-ups. <laughs> I said, okay. But, you know, sometimes we just have pain, and people don't know it. We're put on a happy face. Sometimes we even have addictions with alcohol or drugs or pornography. and We have this happy face, but when we think about it, and we're hurting. We just... We don't want other people to know, but we're hurting and we need healing. I reconnected with a chaplain assistant of mine 
uh, from when, we, when I was in Afghanistan with him. Um, he, the, he still calls me chaplain. And uh, he said, chaplain, it, PTSD is back. And, you know, he, he, he's a builder down in San Antonio, and he has a happy face when he's working with his customers and everything. But he had a tragic event about a month ago, and it all came back, the night sweats and not being able to sleep. And, and he's hurting. And he needs help and healing. Many people are, I mean... You look around, you don't know this, but there are people here today, many of you, some of you, are depressed, and you don't know what to do. You would have just as soon this morning stayed in bed and curled up and just had people leave you alone. And you're hurting need healing some of you may be sitting next to your spouse this morning putting on a happy face but you know that on the way here you had words and you weren't real happy I know people in this congregation that their relationship with their adult children is severed And they've never even met a two-year-old grandchild because of it. They're hurting. If we're honest with looking in the mirror, I think we need to be honest with the fact that we probably all need some healing. There's a healing verse in the Old Testament. Now, to give the context to this particular verse, remember Solomon, he was the son of King David, and... It was after the period of the judges and there was a united kingdom and Solomon didn't have too much war or worry to worry about. And he built the temple and God inhabited the temple and shared some things with Solomon. And this particular verse out of 2 Chronicles is a wonderful verse that comes from God and it's talking to Solomon and the nation of Israel. That's the context. But I believe that you and I can take a look at this verse and take it personally and apply it to our own lives. Even though it was written to the nation of Israel, I believe that you and I can take this verse and own it. So let's take a look at this verse from 2 Chronicles. It's a recurring theme. You're going to see it on the screen a lot this morning. But let's read it first. It says, If my people who are called by my name, dare I say, we can own it if we are Jesus followers. If we're called and identify ourselves as following Jesus, that we can own this verse. If, we, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Sometimes we like to really focus in on the promises. 
we kind of ignore the conditions. <laughs> but there's four conditions, and we're going to focus this morning on the four conditions. The three promises we'll talk briefly about at the end, but the four conditions are critical for us to understand. And so we're going to start on this journey in this verse by looking again at this verse and really focusing in on particular words and phrases as we go through these four conditions. So again, if my people who are called by my name, Lord willing, you and me, will humble themselves. That's condition one. You know, when I hear the word humble, I said, you know, sometimes my first reaction is, man, that's not me. I'm, I'm a pretty strong guy. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't need that humility stuff. That's not the humility that this biblical concept is talking about. When it's talking about humility, it really embraces what we find in the New Testament over and over again. Humility in the Bible is really talking about putting ourselves aside intentionally, voluntarily, so that we can love God and love our neighbor more than ourselves. That's a strength in humility that thinks of God and others first and foremost. There's a strength in that type of humility. It's not wussy at all. In fact, it's really, really hard. So, here's the condition. When, when we think about that type of humility, it recognizes that we're not in control of what's going on. So, here's condition one. Admit, I am not in control. You know, by the third service, I'm not sure what I've said and what I haven't said. I want to make sure that I'm going to repeat it if I've already said this. Genesis 1.1 did not begin with, in the beginning I. It began with, in the beginning God. In the beginning God created, and it goes on. We're not in control. The purpose-driven life starts with, it's not about you. It's not about us. It's about God. This, all of this, everywhere that you see, it's temporary. We need to be focusing in on the eternal. And so condition one, admit I am not in control. That's a beginning point for healing when we're hurting. We're going to take a look at about three verses here on this first condition. You know, two from the Old Testament, which are really good, but we want to make sure that we understand that what the New Testament says also. So this first verse from Psalm 25 is really God speaking. He, God, guides the humble. Remember, those people who in strength are loving God and others ahead of themselves in what is right and teaches them His way. I'll be honest with you. When I am hurting... Sometimes I'm just confused. I don't know what's right or what's wrong. I don't know what path I'm supposed to be on. But this is a promise from Psalm 25 that God himself will guide me and help me understand what's right versus wrong 
and teach me his way. In other words, part of that humility is me being willing to learn. Me being having a teachable spirit. So the truth from this verse is, if I am humble, God will guide me. Oh, heavens. What a New Testament promise when Jesus left us the counselor, the guidance counselor, the Holy Spirit, to infill us in our lives. Wow. We've got to submit to that Holy Spirit so that he is in control. Let's take a look at Isaiah 66. It says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts. We've got blessings all around us. We really do. You know, if we just take a look around at the blessings that are here, uh, I, I, I live in a comfortable home, live on a beautiful piece of property, drive a nice car, married to a beautiful wife. I, I am blessed man. And it's easy to look at the good things and say, oh, wow, that's a blessing. But guess what? If you're humble, you're going to re- see the blessings from God in just about anything. I don't know if you remember Corey, the, the name Corey Tinboon, but she was a, a Christian who ended up in German concentration camps. She went so far as to say she, it was a blessing from God for the fleas that were infesting her. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little weird. But she said, it was a blessing because the guards would leave her alone so that she could read God's word. Blessings. She had trouble. <laughs> she was in a concentration camp and had fleas. But she received things as a blessing. So here's the truth. If I am humble, God will bless me. Sometimes it's through the eyes of faith that we see those blessings we need to look at a new testament verse here and this is jesus himself speaking from matthew 11 says take my yoke upon you and learn from me for i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls Sometimes when I'm hurting, it's just, it's just hard to have rest. You know, my mind is going strong. I lay down in bed and it's going wonky. <laughs> Can't hardly relax. Yet this promise from Jesus, you know, it's talking about the yoke of an oxen. You know, the double yoke where oxen were driven. And, and Jesus is saying, hey, take my yoke on you. He's saying, hey, be yoked with me. Because I know what I'm doing, and I can teach you. You'll learn from me. I will be taking the lead when we are yoked together. When you have said, I am choosing to make Jesus Lord and Savior of my life. And you become yoked with Jesus. And he says, Listen, I'm gentle and, and I'm humble in heart. By doing that, you're, you're going to find rest for your souls. 
truth is that if I am humble, God will give me rest. We can start to let go of some things that are just troubling us. We may not have answers yet. Don't hear me well. <clears throat> the stuff may still be going on. But Jesus is saying, through the stuff, he's going to be with us. You know, that's condition one. Admit I am not in control. That is huge because we like to be in control. We like to think that we make our own decisions. But I'll be honest with you, some of the decisions I've made in my life, and I'm getting older now, I look back on and realize, boy, I could have done that better. Condition one. Let's look at Let's continue looking at this verse. It says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Well, there's the second condition. Pray. Now, when you hear that, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, well, I don't need to pray. God knows everything I'm going to say anyway, so I just don't need to say it. He knows. And you just drive on with your life. Wait a minute. I will agree, first of all, that God does know, okay? That's a foundation we need to understand. God knows exactly what is on our mind, what we're going to do. So why pray? Is it for God or is it for us? And I hope you come to the conclusion that it's for us. That's why we pray. You know, God created this world in such a way that he wants us to want him. He wants to have relationship with us. And it requires some faith. We don't, you know, I don't go outside and say, hey God, good to see you up there. How are things going today? Good? And God says, good, Dave, how are you? That's never happened to me. But you know what? He wants me to talk to him. And so the, first the second condition is this. Ask God for help. Pray. Ask God for help. Talk to God. It's for us. There's healing just in asking. So let's look at a few verses here from the New Testament. James 5 says this, Is any one of you in trouble? I can see those hands. You don't need to do that. But we're, so many of us are in trouble. He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Wonderful promises. We could do a sermon series on this one verse, but let's just focus on, on that first phrase. Is any one of you in trouble? Does anyone need healing? You should pray. We should pray. We should pray. And so the truth from this verse is God wants me to ask. He wants me to ask. He wants dialogue. He wants to hear from me. He wants conversation. It's offered in faith most of the time. 
I don't hear an audible voice back. But he wants to hear from me. God wants me to ask. He wants you to ask. He wants us to ask. In John 16, it says this, Very truly, I tell you, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. And your joy will be complete. Sometimes we ask with wrong motives. And we're really not asking, like it says there, in my name. To me, that tells me that I'm asking in the name of Jesus that I understand who Jesus is, that I understand he's my Lord and my Savior, that he came, lived a perfect life. All these thoughts kind of go through my mind, and he died on the cross. He died for my sins. My sins were on the cross so that he took punishment for me. And then he he came back to life proving that He is the Son of God. All of those things are in the name of Jesus. And so there's an attitude that says, hey, I'm going to pray understanding who Jesus is. So I'm going to ask in Jesus' name. Next condition. Continue looking at Second Chronicles. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, number one, and pray, number two, and seek my face. <sighs> seek my face. I wanted to see and pray for a miracle. Wouldn't that be cool? Pray for a miracle and God will answer. Wait a minute. doesn't say that. It says, seek my face. That's harder. That's much harder. I, I would just as soon have the miracle. <laughs> you know, if I've got financial trouble, I want to go buy a lottery ticket and say, Lord, bless this ticket. May it be a winner. I remember 38 years ago or so, I broke my bone right here. I now have wrist problems because of it. <laughs> But I remember listening to some people on the radio. If you pray in faith, God will heal you. I said, well, I've got faith. Lord, heal this bone in the next two days. It didn't happen. <laughs> Took eight weeks of wearing a cast. I prayed for a miracle. Instead of really seeking God's face. See, that's just like, you know, that's how we are. We want it here and now. We want the trouble just to go away. Instead of recognizing the trouble, the reason why we need healing is drawing us to God Himself so that we can seek His face. So the third condition is this. Seek God, not a miracle. Oh, man. That's hard. 
because we want a miracle. God does miracles, but His normal everyday, for you and me most of the time, the vast majority of the time, it's not going to be a miracle. It's going to be seeking God. In the midst of it all, we should be thinking about the miracle of Jesus on the cross. Hebrews 11 says this, Without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. There it is, earnestly seek Him again. And it says without faith it is impossible to please God. You know, part of this seeking God is that we have our own agendas to just get in the way. Seeking God means, you know, we've got to deal with those things. I remember, well, some of you know that jump number 61 was not kind to this chaplain. I broke my pelvic ring. It was not good. I do not recommend ever doing that. (sighs) Really got my attention. And things were going well. It happened in Italy. We came back to the States, started healing up, got metal and screws inside of me to this day. Went back to Italy, ready to deploy with the 173rd Airborne Brigade. Hooah! Well, they said, hey, chaplain, uh, we're going to PCS you to Germany because we decided that you can't deploy. I did not respond well. I said, this is not right. I'm going to be okay. Hey, just leave me alone. I started trying to talk to anyone who I thought might listen. No one really listened. (laughs) Week went by. Found myself alone in a chapel at 6 o'clock in the morning. It was pretty doggone close to an audible voice. And God said, What are you doing, David? And I said, God, I'm trying to fix this. This is just not right. I should deploy with my unit. I'm okay. Then he said, What are you doing, David? It was then and there that I determined that the first answer was not correct. (laughs) And I had to admit to God that I wasn't trusting Him. I wasn't seeking Him. I went through the process of letting go of my agendas, letting go of my career, letting go of other things, and just emptying myself out to really... And I, I was still on crutches. I had physical issues going on. But the main thing that I needed healing from was not the physical. Interesting, huh? How God can use events in our lives to draw us to Him. And so, seeking God means that we let go of our agenda. There's a lot of type A personalities in here. 
You got to let go of your agendas and seek God first. In fact, Matthew 6 reinforces it. It says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. This is Jesus himself speaking. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Can I hear an amen? (laughs) But Jesus himself said that. Jesus said, you're going to have trouble. (laughs) Because the trouble that we're experiencing now is part of the temporary. It's part of the fall. It's part of the non-perfect world that we live in. So the trouble... It's going to happen. So what should we do in the midst of this trouble? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. There's a lot of reasons why we should worry, but none of them are good. Because if we trust Jesus, He's going to take care of it. So seeking God means that we let go of our worry. Whoa! That's a challenge for many of us. But seeking God means that we let go of that worry. Wow. Okay. Let's look at the last one. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. And this fourth one is, and turn from their wicked ways. Wait a minute, did God just say that we have wicked ways? That's exactly what this verse says. And I, I, you know, goodness sakes, if we look at ourselves in the mirror, if we look at ourselves in relationship to the world, we are bombarded with wickedness from all sides. We've even got comfortable with wickedness. We've gotten comfortable with crap on the TV and the movies that we watch. We've gotten comfortable with people doing inappropriate and saying inappropriate things on Facebook. (sighs) Wicked is part of who we are right now, and yet we don't even see it because we've gotten so comfortable with it. And yet, there's this verse that says, turn from it. Turn away from the wicked ways. So the condition is this, turn my attention from the world to the Word. That's what we're doing right now. We're looking at God's Word to find strength in what we should do in order to receive healing, in order to hit a reset button to be recreated in our own lives. That's what we're doing. We're turning to the Word. But how do we do that? In James 5, it says this, Therefore, confess your sins. Wickedness probably probably means that we've got sin in our lives. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This verse is kind of hard. I would just as soon it said, Therefore, go to your prayer closet and confess to me your sins, and you're going to be okay. You know, it's, it's easier if it's just between us and God. No one else needs to know. 
but so many times our sin involves other people. And this verse says you need to go to that person. I wish I could say I had never wronged my beautiful wife, Debbie. (laughs) But this verse says that when I've wronged her, I need to go to her and confess it. And I say, Debbie, I was wrong. Please forgive me. But then it goes on to stay and pray for each other. And then, so I say, Debbie, can you pray for me? You know, that, there's some healing that can restore relationships and get rid of some anger and bitterness. If we just do what God says we should do. So the truth from this verse is that turning from the world requires confession. Something that many of us are very uncomfortable doing. But to get healing... We need some confession to go along with it. It says that we turn to the Word. We're turning to the Word right now. But sometimes, you know, I've heard, I've talked to people who like to think that they're following Jesus. Say, well, I've got Jesus in my back pocket right here. See, I've got Jesus. But that Bible, it's boring. I don't like it. It's not for me. Yet here's scripture, 2 Timothy, that says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We give ourselves excuses. I didn't read the Bible through cover to cover until I was in Korea for a year alone. (laughs) Now I've been through it over 25 times. And I'm still learning. I'm still being corrected. I'm still being trained up in righteousness. Because I believe that Scripture is God-breathed. And therefore, it's worth my effort to figure it out. The stories that are shared, there's some... Horrific stories in the Old Testament. Figuring out why is God involved in this and asking deep questions. But then just discovering who Jesus is and the perspectives of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John sharing things and how Paul frames it as a strong Jesus follower. It's just amazing. So, the truth from this verse is that answers for our issues are found in Scripture. We just want to somehow say, Lord, you're just going to reveal it to me. Ladies and gentlemen, part of seeking God, part of turning away from the world, is establishing some ways that are aligned with God. And, we can, and if you need help getting into God's Word, we will help you. Because so, at first glance, for many, it is a boring book. 
It's not boring to me anymore. Let's look at it. We've looked at the four conditions now. Let's just briefly look at the promises. It says, If my people are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, the if statement with the four conditions, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Wonderful promises. That first one is God hears from heaven. Just that should transform our lives. Recognizing that God, creator of the universe, creator of everything that you see, hears me. It'll change the way you walk around Walmart. You're just walking around saying, wow, God hears me. And people look at you and say, he looks wacky. And they say, what's going on with you? Oh, I just know that God hears me. And they say, yeah, he's loony. (laughs) But that's okay. The transformation of knowing that God hears us is so amazing. Then it goes on, God forgives my sin. Right back to Jesus, dying on the cross, taking care of our sin problem. Wow! Proving who He is by being raised from the dead. And then we get to the last one that God heals. You know, sometimes God heals by allowing us to get through the trouble. Paul asked for healing for an issue with his thorn in the flesh multiple times. And God didn't take it away. Instead, God used it to draw Paul closer to him. So many times our healing is wrapped up in our own agenda that we need to let it go and say, maybe, Lord God, this trouble, this hurt in my life is to draw me to you. The overall teaching big idea, I want to use the word recreation here because it is a reset button. Recreation comes by humbly asking God for help and seeking God through His Word. That wraps up all four conditions right there and gives us a promise of that recreation. So I got the question as we get ready to transform, transfer into a song. Am I willing to meet the conditions in order to receive my healing? I pray that you are.